People in positions of power can have a significant impact on your life, for better or for worse. Has someone ever done something or made a decision that changed the course of your life? People in power might think that they can control others, but you know what? The fact is that they are under God's sovereign control. This is a comforting truth, and we find a prime example of it in Daniel 4. Stephen called this lesson, Changing Course in Life. I have read that hundreds of thousands of people have open-heart surgery every year. In fact, 600,000 people in America alone. Many of them are warned that bypass surgery is only a temporary solution. Uh, They survived it but they still need to change some of their habits. For instance, they may need to stop smoking or drinking, uh, start exercising, dieting. In other words, millions of people every year around the world are effectively warned, you've just been brought back from the edge, but there's something you need to change. According to one medical survey I read, listen to this, 90% of those people changed nothing even after going through open-heart surgery. Now, why would that be? Probably for the same reason that you and I don't like to admit that we've made a mistake or that we've failed to do the right thing. I mean, who wants to admit that, that there's something they need to change about their lives Even after a close call, perhaps even a close call with death, open-heart surgery. Well, we're about to read of a most remarkable change that took place in the life of a king who ruled one of the most powerful empires on planet Earth. We're now in Daniel chapter 4 here, which contains an open letter that's written by King Nebuchadnezzar. We read here, beginning at verse 1, King Nebuchadnezzar, to all the peoples, nations, and languages that dwell in all the earth, peace be multiplied to you. It has seemed good to me to show the signs and wonders that the Most High God has done for me. Now, what Nebuchadnezzar's doing here is he's about to deliver what we would call today a, a personal a testimony of conversion. He begins to write how his empire of Babylon was enjoying a time of peace and prosperity. We happen to know from history that Nebuchadnezzar was involved in really a myriad of building projects at home and abroad. Uh, This this empire was was amazing. He, He writes here in his personal testimony, however, of a change that occurred. Verse 4, I, Nebuchadnezzar, was at ease in my house and prospering in my palace, by the way, this word for prospering can be understood literally, I was growing green. <laughs> now, that, that doesn't mean that Nebuchadnezzar started recycling. It means that his kingdom was, was beautiful. It was flourishing. It was prospering. His beautiful gardens were among the seven wonders of the ancient world. But Nebuchadnezzar started having nightmares. They troubled him so much, he again, calls in all his magi, all his, all his wise men. Here in verse 9, he refers to Daniel as the chief of the magicians. You could translate that, the master of the magi. By the way, keep this in mind. Chapter 4 takes place at least 
15 years after chapter 3. You see, the book of Daniel is going to cover 75 years of Daniel's life, and here in chapter 4, Daniel would have been in his early 50s. Now, that's important to remember because Daniel's testimony here has been weaving its way through the court of Nebuchadnezzar for more than 30 years. Daniel is a a leading statesman, perhaps a man we would refer to today as uh, the prime minister of Babylon. Nebuchadnezzar and Daniel are close. In fact, Nebuchadnezzar tells Daniel here in verse 10 about his dream. I saw and behold a tree in the midst of the earth, and its height was great. The tree grew and became strong, and its top reached to heaven, and it was visible to the ends of the whole earth. By the way, beloved, we know from history that a tree has often been the symbol for a kingdom. And and the bigger the tree, the more powerful the kingdom. In Nebuchadnezzar's dream, well, the spread of his kingdom has reached to the ends of the whole earth. But that's not the nightmare he's having. The nightmare starts here in verse 13. I saw in the visions of my head as I lay in bed, and behold, a watcher, a holy one, came down from heaven. He proclaimed aloud and said thus, Chop down the tree and lop off its branches, strip off its leaves, and scatter its fruit, verse 15, but leave the stump of its roots in the earth bound with a band of iron. Well, that's quite a nightmare. And, and now it becomes especially troubling because the pronouns become personal. You see, this isn't just about a kingdom. This is about a person. Verse 15 continues, Let him be wet with the dew of heaven. Let his portion be with the beasts and the grass of the earth. Let his mind be changed from a man's, and let a beast's mind be given to him. You see, this isn't, this isn't about a tree anymore. Verse 17 says, That the living may know that the Most High rules the kingdom of men and gives it to whom he will and sets over it the lowliest of men. See, this dream is communicating the principle that God alone appoints to power those whom he chooses. Sometimes God puts into place world rulers who don't deserve it. In fact, they're going to be called here in verse Uh, verse 17, the lowliest of men. In other words, they're the least deserving of men. And let me tell you, to this day, God has placed some of the worst uh, of mankind into positions of power. But be encouraged by this. Solomon wrote it this way, the king's heart is in the hand of the Lord, Proverbs 21.1. You see, God uses even ungodly kings to move their kingdoms toward God's final kingdom. God is in control. The rulers here on earth are under the management of God, no matter what those rulers might think, no matter what they might look like uh, to us today. Nebuchadnezzar, God is saying, you're a great tree, but, but let me give you a news flash. You're about to get chopped down according to my plan. Well, the king has been warned that this is going to happen, uh, that he's a mere man, that God's in control, but he's not about to change his, his lifestyle. So we read here in verse 29, 
at the end of 12 months, he was walking on the roof of the royal palace of Babylon, and the king reflected and said, Is not this great Babylon, which I have built by my mighty power as a royal residence and for the glory of my majesty? And that does it, verse 31 says, while the words were still in the king's mouth, there fell a voice from heaven. This is God speaking. O King Nebuchadnezzar, the kingdom has departed from you, and you shall be driven from among men, and your dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field, and you shall be made to eat grass like an ox, and seven years shall pass over you until you know that the Most High rules the kingdom of men and gives it to whom he will. And with that, God literally touches the mind of this proud king and removes a measure of the king's sanity. The king starts acting and living like some animal out in the field. Now, now our medical world has a technical term for this kind of insanity. It's called zoanthropy. It's a, it's a state of delusion in which a person thinks he's an animal and actually begins acting like one. Well, Nebuchadnezzar's afflicted with this, and he's going to live like an animal for seven years, just as God promised. He's, he's probably, I would guess, and I could be wrong, but my opinion would be he's hidden away inside the palace grounds. The public never finds out what's happening, and they do everything they can to restore the king's sanity. Well, now it isn't that much of a secret any longer because here's the king's open letter. He's writing this as part of his personal testimony of conversion to God. He says here in verse 34, At the end of the days, that is seven years, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted my eyes to heaven, and my reason returned to me, and I blessed the Most High and praised and honored him who lives forever. Nebuchadnezzar, get this, is telling his entire empire what happened. He lived like an animal, but he's also telling them that he is now a follower of the God of Daniel. Listen to his testimony. He's basically saying, the best thing that ever happened to me was when God chopped me down, when he knocked me off my pedestal and brought me crashing to the ground. I want everybody in the kingdom to know that I am in my right mind now, and that means I now know that the God of heaven rules all things. Well, let me tell you, Nebuchadnezzar experienced open-heart surgery, and he actually came out of it wiser than ever. He came out of it determined to change his course in life. You know, that's true to this very day. We are never more wise than when we heed the warning of God. When we surrender our lives before his throne, and we do that every day as we give our lives to him as followers of Christ, we acknowledge with our testimony to our world that he is the God of heaven, our true and living God. Well, until our next wisdom journey, beloved, may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. That was a lesson called Changing Course in Life, here on The Wisdom Journey. 
We have a free resource for you today. Do you ever worry about your salvation? Do you wonder if God has abandoned you? Do you feel as if you might not be truly saved? Or do you know someone who struggles with this and you wish you had a resource to help? The belief that you can lose your salvation is an error into which many Christians fall. The simple remedy is found in the pages of God's Word. You need to understand this truth. Salvation is not a temporary spark, but an eternal flame that never dies. Though it may waver as you struggle with doubt, it will never be put out. God has ignited it. His grace keeps it burning. Stephen has a resource called Blessed Assurance. Request your free copy at wisdomonline.org forward slash assurance. That's wisdomonline.org forward slash assurance. We'll email it to you right away. Join us next time to continue the wisdom journey.